This episode of the Weight Loss Podcast is brought to you by... The Transformation Project. What is the Transformation Project? The Transformation Project is an online training system. It's our transformation program. It's what allows us to work with clients all over the world. Structure. Education. Empowerment. Community. No diets. No gimmicks. Visit the website, theweightlosspodcast.com for more information. Now, this episode of the Weight Loss Podcast, what are we talking about? We are talking about personal trainers. Yes, we are. We are indeed. This is the 10 signs your PT is stealing your money. So we are going to probably ruffle a few feathers with this one, you might say. Ruffle a few feathers, explain a few things though, a couple of home truths. Yeah, and just as a word of warning before we get into this, once you see these things, you cannot ever unsee them. Yes. These are things that we've noticed training in gyms all around the world Yeah. yeah. over a number of years now, and there are certain commonalities that really show you when you may have made a wrong choice with a trainer. So let's roll the intro and let's get into this. Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Yes. How good is it to actually be able to play the intro while we are talking? It's very good. And not have to edit it in. Lots of new technology happening. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so Matt's got himself a new toy. Matt does indeed have himself a new toy. And it is, what do we call this, Matt? A soundboard. It's, it's an all-in-one. Courtney and I are always uh, interested in improving. Yes. Giving a, giving a better experience for you, our beloved listener. So we've gone and invested in a new recording studio, you might yes. say. Yes. But also, what might be good or bad news, allows me to play sounds at random whenever I want. So this is a bit of a novelty. So That will never wear hopefully off. Hopefully it wears, wears down a little bit. No chance. Um, who are we? Oh, yes, sorry. I'm Courtney, and the opposite me always is Matt. Thank you. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Yes, welcome to the show. Yes. It's uh, it's good to be recording with uh, some new toys to hopefully improve the quality of what we do. Absolutely. But more to the point, why are we here? So we gave the preview uh, right at the opening. Mm-hmm. This episode is 10 Signs Your PT Is Stealing Your Money. Now, this has been building for a while now. Controversial topic. Depends on who you ask. I think it's controversial at all, personally. Yes. So I've been around now big gyms, commercial gyms, et cetera, for 15 plus years. Courtney, you've now been in the gym environment for what, close to 10 years yourself? Yes. Either training or as a trainer? Yeah, mostly training and then as a trainer. I think, though, that I've observed more as just training myself in, in big gyms than yeah. even training clients? I'm both. I'm both. So for me, it's a case of I've seen it myself 
and then since becoming a trainer and then working as a trainer to trainers, yes, it just becomes there's a certain things that honestly the, the the dud ones have in common where it's like you know what this shit has to stop. Yeah, and I I, I think from, from my take on it often is that the the trainers that do these th- these things that we're going to mention, yeah. They're not necessarily deep down bad trainers. No one wants to be bad at what they but do. But because they've they've got these habits and, and they're doing these things, it's what's making them a bad trainer. And they have the – what really frustrates me, I think, Matt, and probably frustrates you when you're in a gym in situation environment and you see one of these things happening, you just want to go up and shake the person and say, you could be doing so much better than this. Why are you doing this? Uh, it's a combination where it is on one hand, I do want to do that. Like, why the fuck are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Do this better. On the other hand, I want to go up to the client and shake them and go, you're paying for this shit. Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking your money and burning it. Yeah. But I, I think we're, I've got a few things to say about the clients involved in these sort oh, of things 100%. as well. <laughs> I think I've got... Yes, I've definitely got some – this is going to be really off-putting, by the way. <laughs> I've got some things that I would like to mention about the clients involved in these um, things we're about to list as well, but I think I might save that till the end. Well, so, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it organically yeah. as it goes along, but let's just quickly talk about why is this a topic worth talking about. There is – this isn't a case of, oh, Courtney and Matt just want to go and shit on people. Mm. No. Ultimately, we do this for a living as well, and we are always seeking – to improve, that's how it should be. But there, there, there needs to be a general improvement yes. in the way our industry works. Yes, because ultimately, what I've seen over the years are people who don't know any better paying money and not getting what they should be getting. Yes, and I don't think our our industry helps because it can often be what's expected. Mm. So I reckon, without further ado. Because we've got a bit to go through here. Yes, we do. So we've got 10 signs your PT is stealing your money. Let's dig into this and explain why these things are what they are. Yes. And let's start with the first sign that your PT is stealing your money, which is what, Courtney? Uh, They give you a meal plan or diet. Yes. I hate this. Yes, it's one of your pet peeves. I think pet peeves might be a gross understatement. I will just pose this question to you, Matt. Right. So the the question I think that gets posed a lot when this comes up from people is, oh, but but what if you're training for stage or you're training for some sort of sport? Well, those people aren't listening to this podcast <laughs> and those aren't the people that we work with. Keep in mind, this is with context. This relates to the people that, I work with, that you have worked with, that we have experience with. And what is the name of the podcast? The Weight Loss Podcast. What is not the name of the podcast? The Stage the Stage Podcast. Stage Prep Podcast. Or the Marathon Podcast. This is Correct. the V, by the way, not A, the Weight Loss Podcast. So context matters. People who come from a background of, say, like Courtney and I, and no doubt like yourself as well, where we have a background of, I would say the term is self-abuse, damaged relationships with food, possibly damaged 
um, relationships with exercise mm. and we're afraid of failure and we're so afraid of failure that even taking action is terrifying because, well, what if I fail? What if I get it wrong? And you have a person who's been carrying extra kilos for a long time, if not most of their life, and it, damages you, it does damage you mentally and it beats you down with your confidence and self-esteem. And the first thing a trainer says to them is, oh, well, cut this, cut this, cut that. I want you to go and eat this, 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 and this instead. So you've you got to go cold turkey and what you've been doing for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years and get rid of all that stuff starting Monday and go and have this instead and follow this 1,200-calorie-a-day diet. And seriously, I hate it. Mm. It teaches people nothing. Now, you listening to this would surely probably realize this by now. If a diet worked, you wouldn't do it more than once. Yet how many people that we've come across, Courtney, have done multiple diets and multiple is probably an understatement mm. many upwards of a dozen plus yeah e easily and there's also the question of if you're given a meal plan if you're given the meal plan mm. how long are you likely to follow it for because it's not too hard say someone like me to go write up a fantastic meal plan for someone highly nutritious what i would think is pretty tasty food what if you don't like it? Or if you're like me and you have food intolerances. Yep. Or what if Maddie Boy here is a hardcore vegan mm. and you love your steak and on Monday, Courtney, you are not allowed to eat meat. You are not allowed to eat animal products or vice versa. What if you are a vegan and I say to you, nah, piss that off, mate. Go slam a porterhouse steak down on Monday for me. How's that going to work? It's not. No, it, it, it's it's unrealistic for any sort of long term change. I think it also leads to. I think it leads to binge eating because it does, there's, yeah. there's restriction. It's so a lot of restriction. You tell someone what they can't have, they're going to push back. We well, you, well, you automatically start to crave that thing that you're told that you're not allowed to have. Mm. And I think that it's also one of one of those situations where. It's only, as you say, Matt, it's only teaching you something for the time that you're doing it. So you will say you'll you, you'll do the meal plan for 12 weeks, you'll do the training for 12 weeks. If you, if you do the meal plan for 12 weeks, you've done well. You do the meal plan for 12 weeks. You do the training for 12 weeks. That's fantastic. Yeah. The, the problem isn't the 12 weeks. The problem is the next 12 months. 12 years. Because... You're not going to do that same meal plan for the next 12 weeks after that. Well, if you don't think you can sustain it. And not only that, though, is that people very, very rarely want to eat the same thing yeah. day in, day out for really long periods of time. So the problem with meal plans You is, can relate to that. Yes. It's getting giving you the same thing. And you might be able to sustain that for 12 weeks, but then for the next 12 weeks, you want something different. And the problem is because the education's not there, you don't know what to what to change or what to move to or how to progress what you're doing. I'm glad you said that because ultimately the meal plans or the diets don't tell you why. No. No. So it makes it very hard to then make an independent decision if you're out for dinner or if you're going away on holidays, yep. how to translate what you're doing in different 
situations. I agree. It also promotes the whole right and wrong mentality. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be eating this. It's not right. I'm not allowed to. Not allowed to. Where ultimately what's important to say you and I is that there's a place for everything. The big thing is, I think, empowering people to know where those places are. So it's very common in, I'll use the term health circles, that sugar is evil. There's actually a place for sugar too. A lot of people are on the no sugar. I'm a diabetic and I can tell you there is a place for sugar. If anyone was going to be anti-sugar, there is a place. it for, would be the diabetic. There is a place for carbohydrates. There's a place for sugar. Mm. And this is a diabetic telling you that. Anything else you want to touch on with the whole meal plan diet bullshittery? I mean, I could go on for days. So I think we should just move on for the next one. Okay. So number two is winging it workouts. I hate this. (laughs) So what is winging it workouts, Matt? Winging it workouts is when your trainer is guessing or they're making it up on the spot. Mm. So you go in for your session at the gym and we go for a walk. Oh, well... Someone's using the leg press. Someone's using the bench press. Uh, let's go over here. We might just do, um, I don't know, leg extensions for now. The fuck? Where's the structure in that? So nothing's written down. Well, there's winging it. Winging it you know, is more than just guessing what you're doing. It's not keeping track of what you're doing, not recording. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no plan. Mm. So every time Courtney and I walk into a gym... Every time one of our clients walks into a gym, there is a plan. They're going in there with a purpose to do these sets of exercises or this routine. Here's the, here's the exercises. Here's the rep range. You know the weight you're going to be aiming for because of what you've been recording the last couple of weeks. Here's the time you need to be spending doing this. In, execute, out. Yes. And you can see it so easily in a gym when people aren't doing this because they're looking around at what they get, you know, what will I do next? Mm. Yes. You can also clearly distracted might be, yeah, maybe distracted, but also just a case of lost might be a term you'd use where it's like, well, let's go try this. This one really is, I think international. I know we spoke about that at the start of the show Mm -hmm. where we have trained in, in a lot of gyms overseas as well. Yep. And this one really is, Universal, I think, where there's a lot oh, of trainers. To be fair, they're all universal, but yes, I get your point. You walk through the gym and there's so many trainers that are not holding nothing but maybe their client's water bottle. So they're, they're not holding Or their phone checking paper. Facebook. They might be holding their phone, but they're certainly not recording anything. So there's literally no record of where they should be going. And what I think a lot of the time is happening also is with these trainers, what they're doing is they're picking – at the start of the week, okay, this week the leg workouts are going to be like this. So some trainers will say, oh, but I do plan. I, I plan at the start of the week. But the problem with that is then they're assuming that every one of their clients for the whole week are the same and they're going to do the exact same pre I, – I put that pre-thought of in inverted commas – plan, but then every one of their clients is going to have different weights 
They're going to have different weights they're going to be aiming for. They're going to have different goals they're aiming for. They're going to have different limitations, possibly different injuries that they're working with. Different abilities, skill sets, yep. And so you're assuming that all of your clients are going to be able to do A, the same program, and B, there's no apparently there's no interest in actually checking everybody's weights because we'll just get there and figure out how much you can do. That's winging it, definitely. So, so that that is... It, it is a big waste of time because you're wasting time trying to figure out what weight to do. And that, I think, then leads to a lot of clients doing the wrong weight for their particular body. Absolutely. It can be, and that can, by the wrong weight, that can be not heavy enough as much as it can be too heavy and the form is broken. Yes. I also personally think that the winging at workouts issue extends to misuse of machines. Yes. So explain that a bit more. Well, put it this way. I I would say, why would you go and set up um, cables in a gym to sit on the floor and do bicep curls with your client when you can just just go grab a barbell instead? Why make it harder than it needs to be? To me, it almost comes across like you're putting on a show. So one thing I always look for when I walk into a gym, and I'm uh, and I can't help myself because of my background and what I do. I'm always looking at the trainers. It's just it's my job, mm. and you can very very easily spot if they're really winging it because is anything being recorded? Mm. Now that could be pen and paper, the old school way. That could be recording it on their phone. Could be recording it on an iPad. Doesn't matter how you do it, mate. It's that you do it. And we have seen some. Oh yeah, and that we'll, do and, do it properly. And, and, and whenever I see it, it's like I like you mm. because you care. Yes. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I don't think there's any trainers that don't, don't care. care. It's more a case of you are really taking this seriously, and you are you are recording so you can then measure and progress mm. the structure of what you're doing. But when you don't see it, it's like, well, it's just a workout. It's just a workout. Yes. And ultimately, people don't go to the gym. They don't engage the services of a trainer. But they don't buy workouts. People buy results. You can get workouts for free on YouTube. Damn so right, you can. And you know, you know what else as well? You don't need to pay for those. The clients can give the trainers workouts. Yeah. I, I could go into a gym and, and pick anyone out at random and say, look, you got 30 minutes, smash me. It wouldn't be too hard. Half an hour of burpees, mate. Yeah. I'm dead. You know. So we'll move on now to the third sign that your PT is stealing your money, which is they let you bully them. Now, we did have a discussion before when writing these signs, Matt and I, that oh, 100%. <laughs> that bully, I think, is probably the wrong word to use. Why? But I think it's probably a bit extreme. I think that what happens in my mind is that the clients off in this situation, what it's meaning is, is that the clients will go in and they will say, I don't feel like doing that today. That person over there, that, that, that exercise looks cool. I want to do that. Yeah. And then the trainer, instead of sticking to their guns, or if they have a plan, which they should, they'll buckle. sticking to the plan, mm. they'll buckle and they'll say, oh, okay, cool, yeah, let's try that. Yeah, so I yeah, I do – I'm happy with the, with the word bullying. You're, I'm fine with you disagreeing with it. To me, you could also probably rephrase this as the trainer lets you 
dictate the terms. I think dictate is and, the better and, word. And here's the deal. If you knew what you if you knew what you were doing, like you wouldn't be working with a trainer or a coach. The inmates cannot ever run the asylum. Well, I think that sometimes that there is a perception that that trainers yeah, there's so many trainers, it's not very hard to get qualified as a trainer. They don't really know that much. They're just there to to make sure that I go to the gym. But that sounds like they're there to babysit. Correct. <laughs> and and I think that that is a, a, a terrible perception to have and that sometimes I think falls on the clients. That is something that needs to be changed with us as clients mindset that the trainer is not there to babysit you. The they trainer is there to train you. Towards something. And they have knowledge that you don't have. So yeah. if they have a structured plan and they say, this is what we're doing today, then this is what we're doing today. However, if you come in and you're like, oh, I don't feel like doing this today. Can we go and do that instead? If they say yes, there's a problem. There is a problem. If that if that was said to me, my first question would be why? Yeah. My second question would be no. I think Yes, the question yeah. is no. And often I think with trainers, especially especially younger trainers, is there's just not the confidence to say no. It's not just younger trainers. Yeah. It's not just younger trainers. True that. Definitely We've not. Seen older trainers. So ultimately a a trainer has to have the confidence in themselves. Yes. And what they're doing and the plan and that they honestly know more about this than you because that's why they do it for a living and you do not. Mm. But I, I, if someone were to say to me, oh, I'm bored of doing this, can I now go and do that? I also think to myself, well, how are you viewing this? Are you viewing, are you viewing training as entertainment? Mm. If you are, you need to redefine how you feel and think about entertainment. Training is a tool. It's like, yes. it's like buying tools to build a house. Like no one buys a hammer because, oh, I want to own a hammer. Fun. It's fun to own a hammer. No, you buy it to do something. Yes. Training is the same way to me. You go to the gym and you train to create something, mm. to build something, to move away from something, to improve something, whatever you want to say. But if a trainer lets you dictate the terms, you, you no. That to me, that is a one-way path to failure. And I think this topic leaves perfectly into number five, Matt, which is stop. You mean number four? Oh, I was. It leads well into number five, but sure, we'll go back to number four. <laughs> oh, you want to skip it, do you? Well, I was actually going to say it actually leads well into number five. Well, let's do it then. Okay, go for it. So we're going to skip number four. We'll come back to number four, but. The, this, new, the new number four is... This topic actually does lead well... Oh, 100%. ...into number five, which is that your trainer tells you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Now, this is a big deal. So I think that this goes along that same okay, line... we'll go with that. Yeah. ...where they're allowing you to dictate the workouts because maybe they're not confident in enough to tell you that no 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 this is the structure and this is why we structured it like this and this is what we're going to do yep. and i think that this leads well into this topic which is they're telling you what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear not what you need to hear yes and again i think that this falls 
a lot, and Matt, you work with a lot of trainers, so you see probably have experienced this more often. Oh, 100%. You need to just slow your roll on that. Um, <laughs> that I, I think that this topic also stems from a confidence. And is it, Matt, where the, the trainer is worried that they're going to lose the client? If they, if they tell them the truth, it may not be what they want to hear, but it's the truth. There does need to be a certain level of confidence to be able to tell someone what they need to hear, even if you know they don't want to hear it. Mm. And it can, it, okay, I think it starts with a lack of confidence, but it, you are, Courtney's correct in terms of it can be because, well, I don't want to upset or offend, mm. and then I don't want to lose the client. Now, me personally, I think if someone is fucking it up, they should be told you are fucking it up. You aren't changing because you're fucking it up. Mm. Now, a to me, this is also the sign of a very, very good client who is serious about improvement where they will take this sort of feedback and use it to grow. If you tell a client what they need to hear, even if it's a tough truth and they don't take to it very well, they ain't ready for it and they're probably not coachable right now mm. because there is... To me, being coachable is a skill. Mm. Taking feedback, sometimes taking constructive criticism is also a skill. Definitely a skill. But giving it is absolutely a skill too. Oh, and, and, I, and I think that comes down to your leadership skills and okay. people management skills because especially as well as a personal trainer, understanding that all your clients have different personalities. Yes. And receive are going to receive feedback differently I so agree. then you need to adjust your language and and your reasoning why to suit different clients I mean you're going to have clients that will want to know why okay that's your opinion why tell me all the ins and outs so I understand you've got other clients that just won't ask why they'll just say okay we're going to do it like this and move on rock and roll yeah so let's you, go. you yeah. have to you have to approach people differently and that's no different than if you worked in business and you're leading a team of people it's the same skill set you have to have you have to understand there's people differently on your team you have to have that skill set to help motivate and empower your team but then on the other hand you have to have that fine balance of being able to have that radical candor with people and be able to tell them exactly what is going on radical candor yes and then Where'd that come from? I like Kanda. it. I've never heard that before. Oh, haven't you? No, I have not. Oh, it's a great book. You should if you haven't if you haven't read it, you should um, look it up on Audible. Well, I I listen to my books. Um, I should listen to your book. Yeah, okay. listen to it. But uh, but yeah, being able to have that radical candor with your team and being both having that openness as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, as you said, Matt, this comes down to the client as well as the trainer. There is a skill like. People need to be able to take feedback. It is, I think, that's not I think, I know this. The trainer has to be able to discern how they're going to deliver what they need to say based on the person. Mm. So you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach. Yes. So I, always, I use the analogy of the open hand or the closed fist. Mm. You can't just go one or the other with everyone. You've got to pick you got to pick your marks. So some people prefer the closed fist approach where you just, you just crack them around the head and say, hey, you're fucking it up. Here's why you're fucking it up. 
let's go do A, B, and C to fix it. That will not play well with certain people where you just rephrase the way you say things. Like, hey, here's where you can improve. What you are doing is sabotaging things and it is leading to A, B, and C going off the rails. What I'd like you to focus on is X, Y, and Z to pull this thing back together. That's the open-hand approach. People who prefer prefer it straight, and I'm like that, I prefer it straight, won't take to that very well. You sort of pick your mark. The issue is not doing it at all. So it's like, oh, it's okay. It's not your fault you're shoving donuts into your face every night. Actually, it is because you're making that choice. Yeah. You just got to be good at, at how you deliver it, but not doing it at all yes. is a major, major, major problem that stunts growth Ooh, and stunts okay. development. And I, and I think that initial thought of trainers of, oh, if I tell them, if I'm hard on them, they're going to not want my services. But the problem is that I think a lot of trainers miss is that but if you're telling them what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear, they're not going to get their results and they're going to stop working with you anyway. I agree completely, um, if I may. Oh, 100%. Com- you need to back off. Complete, completely agree. <laughs> I also think this as well, and this is, this is my mindset behind this, if I tell a client what they need to hear because it's for their, for the, for their, in their best interests and they take it the wrong way and leave, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out because I don't want to work with people like that. Mm. I wouldn't want to be like that as a client. Like, no, if I get given feedback, I'm taking it. Yeah. Not always the best way, but ultimately we're going to get there. Yeah. You know? So what's the next sign? I suppose I'll do this one. Uh, we're going back to number four. We are going, skipped it. Which is now the, the new number five. <laughs> yes. They sign you up for less than 12 months. Now, I'm, I, I promise I'm not going to get triggered on this one. It's tempting. Mm. When you've got someone who has years and years and years of weight problems, health problems, self-esteem problems, you ain't going to fix that in 30 days, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. No. You didn't get to where you are in a quick Time frame. So, what makes you think it's going to be undone in a quick time frame? Now, this isn't just limited to trainers. This is an industry problem at large. Yes. In that the quick fixes are promoted because you know, it draws attention. But you've probably noticed by now, hence why you're listening to Courtney and I literally run about this, is this shit doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This short term shit doesn't work. If it did, we wouldn't be listening to us right now, that's for sure. Yeah. You wouldn't be looking for what's the next best thing for me to do. Where do I go? Where do I start? This goes back as well to what Courtney was saying before in terms of trainers being afraid, reluctant to upset or offend is, oh, well, if this, let's use an example. If this 45-year-old woman who's been having weight issues now for the last 20 years tells me she'll just do it for three months to see how she goes... Okay, we'll do that. Fuck that. Yeah. If that gets says, if, if that's said to me, it's like, well, okay, cool. I'm not the right person for you. Yeah. Because I know from personal experience, not as a 45 year old woman, but I know from personal experience with my own journey so far, and with more than enough people that I've worked with over the years, like you ain't going to get shit done. No. Twelve months is a bare ass minimum. Yeah. Some people to get like for me. 
I, to, to get a real big change where people looked at me and go like, oh, Matt, what have you done? That's two and a half years of solid day in, day out, week in, month in, putting in the effort mm. constantly. Yeah. Yet, yet there's an expectation that, oh, well, that's okay. I'm the, I'm the example or the rare, the rare exception, I'm sorry. I'm the exception in that I've been struggling with my weight for 20 years, but I'll lose it in 12 weeks. Yeah, you're not no, you the won't. exception. No. You're not the exception, and I think that... There is no exception. Coming back to the trainer part of this is... They have to have the balls to say to you, no, this will take longer. They also have to have the understanding that it's going to take longer. You know what, They though? can't be in the dreamland themselves and think, yes, I'm going to be the trainer I that actually, does this quicker. Well, I actually don't believe there are many in that dreamland. I think it's again it's a confidence thing, mm. but it, it probably also you know ties into telling you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Yeah, this is this is one of those things you need to hear. This will take longer than you want. This will take longer than you think, and that's okay. Mm. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But I know for for you know what you and I have done, well, what Courtney and I have done over the years is we do not work with people now for less than twelve months. We have no interest. Because what we aren't interested in setting people up to fail. No. And I think that's what this does. Mm. Because all of a sudden, you take what should be a process that builds up into a rest of your life lifestyle mm-hmm. and you turn it into a diet. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll do this for 12 weeks and see how I go. How you'll go is you won't do shit. You'll blame someone else. You'll blame something else and go try the next bloody thing that won't work either. Yeah. Fuck that. Yes. So I, I personally am very strong and very bullish on that. Mm. And that's all I've got to say about that. Indeed. So moving on, number six. I'm going to love hearing you talk about this. <laughs> your PT is stealing your money if your PT is having a conversation with you mid-set. They're not just stealing your money. They're stealing it, setting it on fire, peeing on it, and then flushing it down the toilet. It is the height of annoyance. This this is the one where if this wasn't in this list, you would be really upset with me. There's two in this list, actually. And this is one of them. Um, the next one also. We'll get to that. Is, uh, is a must. And I have to say, it's not just conversations. It's also distractions. So the one that we didn't give a designated number to, but I was going to put it into this, which is not only they having a conversation with you mid-set or... They're just not even paying attention to you and they're just looking at their phone. Or looking at the clock. Or looking at the clock. Or looking at the cute member who just walked yes. past. Or just looking around. They're not even focusing on what you're doing. So this is a two-stage uh, topic here. So number one is having a conversation with you mid-set. If that, if, oh, if, if you it. are talking mid-set, doing a weight training session or even a cardio session... It is not hard enough. You're not really working, are you? You are not working. You are either warming up or you have finished your workout. Mm. They are the only two times that you could be speaking during a set. Other than that, you should be focusing on not dying during that movement. Well, it's also if the trainer is talking to you while you're working, how can you concentrate? Well, How can you focus? It's not even – and a lot of the times I've seen this – in Australia, overseas, I, I, we have seen this, Matt. 
that it, they're not even talking about people say oh they're talking they might be talking about the exercise they're not talking about the exercise they're talking about what they did on Saturday night they're not even talking about the movement it'd be different if they were saying yes you know m- move this leg here and and you'll feel a difference or something like that it's not even a correction I wouldn't even have it on this list if it was that because that would make sense. But that is not a conversation. A conversation I'm talking about is a two-way conversation about the trainer saying, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And the client answering. I'm going to McDonald's. Like, what are you doing? You have got breaks between sets to have that chat if you really wanted to. Mm. Don't, why are you waiting for the set to start? I'm glad you, you know you. I'm glad you mentioned this. You look. You take a weight training session, right? Where you might do four or five different exercises. Let's say you, if, and we're kind of giving away something down the track. But let's say you do your warm up the right way, and you do your working sets. Yes. Over a six, let's say a sixty minute weight training session. How many minutes would you actually be spending working? Over 60 minutes? Yeah. Oh. Five, ten? Working. No, probably turn, more, but... Turn, uh, by working, though, I mean the actual performing of the intense The intense movement. Yes. Oh, you'd probably be working for about 15 minutes of the full hour. Okay. And so during that limited time where you're actually putting your body under stress... 20 minutes, yeah. At best. Under stress of load, of moving a heavy weight and keeping it under control and doing it safely and with intensity, yet you're talking during those times, which means you're probably, not probably, you're definitely not working. Where to me, I've always, and Courtney can back me up on this because she's seen me say this when we used to have our gym, when people would be talking during a set, I would go up and tell them to put their weights up. And they would go, oh, why is that? Because if you can talk, it ain't hard. Yes. You ain't working. Yes. You're here to work. You're not here to have a social. Concentrate. And, and what would we do? We put the weight up. And then they'd stop talking, wouldn't they? So eventually, eventually, when they're working hard enough, you ain't gonna have a conversation. If the if if the action that you're doing is hard enough, it takes all your concentration to do the to that task. And to just not shit yourself. And you are not going to have a conversation. And I, I am not saying that during weight training sessions with clients, I didn't chat to them about what they were going to do on the weekend. But never while they're trying to actually do the movement. You have to know when it's time, when you can talk, and then you have to know when it's time to shut up and let them work. Yes. And supervise the actual work and look for areas of improvement and to make sure it's all being done safely. That is not the time to go... Oh, did you see season three of Stranger Things? And this is the and this is the thing that brings me into the part two of this topic, mm. which is not only that some people have conversations mid-set, but they will be distracted. They're looking around. They're not looking at their client. The trainers. The oh, trainers. yeah. trainers. You're not spotting. Or, not spotting, yeah, yeah. Or they're looking at their phone or they're, oh. or they're checking a message. I'll tell you what, that one, the looking at the phone while the client's working – that makes me want to kick them in the head. The, the silly thing is, I think, though, with trainers is what they don't understand is that their people in the gym are watching them often and they, they pay attention to this. 
Oh, people aren't dumb. Okay. And well, you, most. you think, though, as um. a prospective client, why would I go and work with him or her if they're on their phone while their client is working out? It is people, I think, trainers, they don't understand that everybody is watching. When you're, when you're in the, when you, when you work in a commercial gym, actually, when you work in a gym in general, you are on display. Yes. And you're on display to what I call the paying public. And you're showing off what you're doing. And one of the best compliments I ever got that really helped me sort of solidify something like this, when I was sort of earning my stripes at my first ever gym that I was working in as a trainer, was when a member came up to me one night after I finished training my clients. I I didn't even know this person existed before. And he said to me, I just want to say that I can see you care I can see you pay attention because I watch you spot your clients. I watch you record what they're doing and I watch you give feedback once they're done. And it's like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I wouldn't know this person from a bar of soap, mm. but they were clearly watching me. Mm. Now that's, that's quality feedback where it's like, oh, well, people notice this. Mm. Where to me, to me, the time was just normal. Like, this is what, what we should do. But apparently it's, well, as I've learned over time, it's not that normal. And now having seen enough trainers in so many gyms, this happens too much. The worst ones are flicking through their bloody Facebook timeline while the client's working. It's like, seriously. They're not even standing often in a position where they can actually spot and, and notice any technical changes they need to make, technique changes they need to make with what their client's doing. Yes. They're standing in, in a position where they can't even see What's going on the, properly? The, the word, the term I would use there would be hanging out, just hanging out, uh, and that's probably a a different point unto itself in terms of not spotting correctly. Yeah. But I think we'll leave it with that one for now. Go to the next one, which is I'll I'll cue you in, Courtney, and you can blow up from here. The seventh sign that your PT is stealing your money is that they physically assist you during the movement. Courtney, go. Why do they need to help? I'll tell you why they need to help. Because the movement or the the weight is too heavy or they just want to feel like they're doing something. Trying so to justify. This is, yes. this is a perception thing and I think that this is another one where clients need to also understand that this is not an expected thing. And I think that what happens is a lot of trainers, they they think that it's expected and they think that they have to look like they're helping, otherwise the client's going to feel like they're not doing their job. Wrong, wrong, wrong. As a client, you we need to understand that the trainer is there to structure the program and to monitor it, us doing it and make sure technically we're doing it properly. And safely. And safely and we're going to get the best result from it. And, now, looking, and looking for areas of improvement. Correct. Mm. As a, as then a trainer, you need to understand that that is your role. There, there at no time is the role to help with the movement. It does not benefit anyone. So either they're helping because it's too heavy and that is not benefiting you as a client because – the weight, if the weight is too heavy, you're not going to be technically doing it properly. Do it properly and build up the weight to be able to do that heavier weight 
or they're helping because they feel like they need to, in which case the weight is not too heavy. You could be doing it by yourself and they're making it easier for you by helping, in which case you're not getting the benefit. Yep. And if they are helping, they are also usually not in a position to check your uh, posture or your technique properly, in which case they can't give you accurate feedback on whether you've done it properly or where you can improve. So if they are helping, they are not standing in the right position anyway. So often, if you are spotting somebody properly, you need to be standing actually back and you need to be checking posture, form, you need to be maybe have the hands on the area or the muscle that's working to make sure that it's engaging. So in order to do that, you are not standing in the right position by helping with the movement. Do not do it. And and as a client, do not expect it. If your client is if your trainer is doing that, tell them not to or get a different trainer. I got nothing. You smash that. There's actually one of the ones, if you can't tell, that angers me the most. No, I could never tell, actually. <laughs> it, it just angers me so much. That's all right, because the next one's going to get you up and about too. What is the eighth sign that your PT is stealing your money, Courtney? They count every rep out loud. Now, I have a phrase or a term for trainers like this. I call them entertainers. We're here to entertain. We're here to try and justify that we're charging you money to stand around and check our phones and assist you with the movement. And we want to put on a show. And part of the show is, and this this annoys me at least as much as it annoys Courtney, just because I've seen it so much. And every time I see it or hear it, it drives me fucking crazy. You're doing your set. Let's say you're doing your set. You might be doing, let's say, squats, right? A set of squats and it's bloody hard, and you're working hard, you can feel how difficult this is, and you're trying to focus, and here's what you hear over your back shoulder. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, yep, 5, doing well, 4, almost there, 3, yep, yep, 2, Okay, one more. Yep, good. Now, 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 let's now do three more. Three, two. Look, would you shut the fuck up? Shut the fuck up and let them work. I have a very simple rule when it comes to uh, feedback for clients. And And Courtney, you've heard me say this to you. If you don't hear me speak, it's because I'm watching and you're doing it well. If you're doing your exercise and you hear me speak, it's because you need to hear the feedback I'm telling you real time. Say, for example, for a squat, like, hey, get your chest up. Now, on your next rep, let's try this a little bit lower. You know, feedback where it needs to be given. But if no feedback needs to be given because the person is doing well, shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut the hell up and let them work. And then afterwards, hey, that was fantastic. Next set, we'll try and improve ABC or next set, let's do the same thing with a little bit more weight on there. See how you handle it. Yeah. To Usually me, you would give them a two rep warning. I do. Coming to the end. Yeah, two more. Two more. Two more. That's it. But to count the whole thing, it's unnecessary to count it out loud. It's, You're not helping you anyone. You know what? You are a very nice person. 
I think unnecessary is a nice way of saying it. I think it's ridiculous. It's the thing so that, annoying. The thing that's most annoying to me mm. as well is if they, they, they're counting out so loud that the entire bloody gym can hear. Well, that's the entertainer, isn't it? Yeah. Put, putting on the show. Hey, I'm a, I'm a trainer. I'm working. I'm counting. Look at me. I can count. The thing, though, that is, is that often, as well as trainers, Matt and I would often not count at all. Sometimes and allow the train the actual client to count, um, but otherwise, some clients I had actually preferred to count themselves. If I, whenever I used to train a client, I would count in my head. Mm. But after a while, I also realised, like the serious ones, would also count for themselves. Yeah, and I had I, some tra- some though. Sorry, Matt would actually say to me though. Can you count for me? Because I seem to just lose count halfway through, or something it's, it's like a that. Personal I'm, thing. I'm focusing on what I'm doing. I'm one of those people. I have to. Often, I get so focused on what I'm doing that I, I do lose count. That's reasonable. So often, when Matt and I train together, Matt will always give me a two a two count warning. But you know what, though, you often won't hear it, will you? No, you just hold up your your fingers that says two or three or four, whatever warning you're going to give me, that you will just hold up your fingers and yep. you won't actually speak to me. Yep. You know why that is? Because I'm concentrating. And you're working hard. Yes. You're working hard. So to me, that goes under the, the entertainer category mm. and trainers aren't here to entertain. We're here to coach towards results. Mm. All right. This one's going to set me off. The next sign... They diet hop themselves. Mm. So this month, your trainer is on keto. Next month, they're doing intermittent fasting. Last month, they were just having those shit Herbalife shakes. Mm. What the fuck? There's no consistency there. There's, if Put it this way. As trainers, we are human. We are not supposed to be perfect. We will not be perfect. We cannot be perfect. However, I do think we should be better and hold ourselves to a higher standard than the people we are working to help. Mm. Otherwise, how can we show them a path themselves? Yes. And I can't think, actually, I can think of one thing worse than trainers who diet hop, and that's our next point. Number 10. Well, do we want to elaborate on this? I think you just elaborate on both. So number 10 is they don't train themselves. So hand in hand, they're either diet hopping or they're not training themselves or both. I'll just finish on the diet hopping one. That to me shows a lack of focus, a lack of belief, a lack of long-term thinking. Again, we're not supposed to be perfect. But if we can't show ourselves to be better than the people we wish to help, why are we doing this? And diet hopping, changing programs all the time, not being able to stick with something, absolutely a sign that your trainer is stealing your money because they haven't solved the problems that you want to solve yourself. Mm. Now, that, to me, is a walk-the-walk discussion. If you're not walking the walk, get out of here. Yeah. And that does absolutely extend to they don't train themselves. There is nothing worse than a trainer who doesn't train. And unfortunately, because we always say the photos don't lie, 
neither is what I call the eyeball test. You can look at a trainer and you can see they don't look after themselves. That's not cool, bro. Yeah. Or sister. <laughs> That's not cool. No, no. And I, and I think that there's a misunderstanding with this one that says, oh, to be a trainer, you have to look like you've just jumped off a competition stage. No, you do not. So you don't have to look like that. However. And this is not what this topic is of course not. in there for. Of course not. No, no, no. It's just to show... That you you are doing what you are preaching. I think you can also extend to they don't train themselves. You could also have coming off this, they don't show progress. Yes. Courtney is spot on in that trainers do not need to be uh, bodybuilders who just step off the stage. However, you do need to show progress mm. because you're allegedly coaching others towards progress. And it's a walk the walk thing. Isn't it? Yes. Anything else you want to add to that point? No, I think that's it. I think that that trainers these days come in all different shapes and sizes. However, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I agree completely. But as a trainer, at least look like a trainer. Well, you have to look like a trainer, but you have to also, as you said, Matt, you have to be able to say, yeah. I couldn't. I never used to do be able to do squats either. And then I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and now I'm I'm squatting, you know, 50, 50 kilos on my back or something like that. Yep. You have to, and that, and that also goes to then to be able to increase your own skills as a trainer, because you're putting yourself in situations where you're learning, you're constantly learning, you're progressing, you're you're learning and feeling things that your clients are going to be learning and feeling, and it you're able to then put yourself in those situations and empathize and be able to have knowledge that you wouldn't have otherwise had. If you go in there and you're telling somebody as a client, oh yeah, just just you know, pull your scapula back like this and it should feel like this. Well, how the f- do you know? Yeah. You don't do it. I think you've touched on the key word, empathy. Mm. Empathy is priceless. With what what we do and what trainers do. If there's no empathy, like you, you have to be able to put yourself in in your client's shoes. Mm. And if you're not, if you can't show that you're you've you've gone through the struggle yourself, or you're going through the struggle yourself, and you can't show that there's progress, to me, you know, word comes to mind, fraud. Mm. What do you think? Yes, love it. Agreed. Yes. Now. That was number 10. That was number 10. However, Courtney and I, we like to under-promise and over-deliver. So guess what? We have a number 11. We have a number 11. This was a, almost like a last-minute ad, but it had to go in. It had because, to go in. Because we see this literally in every gym we've ever been in. Yes. The 11th out of 10 signs that your PT is stealing your money is they have you warming up before your weight session, doing cardio. Yeah. In particular, non-specific cardio. I'll give you the most obvious, easy example. If you're going to see your trainer to do, let's say, your your chest session, your chest weight session, so bench press, shoulder press, whatever, and they have you warming up by walking on the treadmill... That's walking on the treadmill to use your upper body. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Yeah. And this, again, it just comes down to a lack also of preparation. So if you – a lot of trainers, I think, these days in big gyms, they will shorten their their sessions maybe from 60 minutes to 40 minutes or 45 45, minutes, which is completely understandable. You know, you're trying to get most value for your time Mm. and peak time in commercial gyms are quite crazy – Places, yeah. So I can completely understand why trainers do that. In which case, they usually advise in their clients to start warming up before their session actually starts to maximise the amount of time now, now they by have the way, together. by the way, that also makes sense. Sensible. That's not the problem. The problem is what are they that doing? because of lack of preparation, mm. that all they're having their clients do is meet them on the treadmill or meet them on <laughs> the, the bike elliptical bike. Or the rower, yeah. The problem is that this... If they had more preparation, if they had more structure with their clients, what they would be doing was the clients would know what they were going to be training. They would know what their first exercise was going to be. So they were able to be taught to warm up in an appropriate way. Now, we are not the sort of people to blow our own trumpet, but we're going to. Yes. The way we warm up, the way our clients warm up is highly specific yes. to what they're doing and is based off what they've done based on the recordings from their previous training sessions. So a real warm-up for a weight session, for example, let's say you're doing your first exercise is... Bench press. Bench press. Maybe it would be a good idea to warm up on the... Bench press. Bench press. No way. Not the... Treadmill. Treadmill. Crickets. By my, that's by far my favourite sound. <laughs> that's the noise the you crickets. hear when they're on the bloody treadmill before a chest session. So the warm-up does need to be specific. Yes. And it does need to be targeted towards what you're actually doing. So to me, you could even go the other way around on this. I mean, not that you ever see it like this, but it will be just as silly warming up with weights before a cardio session. Yes. <laughs> what? Yes. In this case, what we always see is, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do, a, do a, a back session, start with your lat pull down, just go warm up on the treadmill for 15 minutes. What? Yeah. You're not actually warming up the muscles that you're going to be working in the session. So that the, the, what happens then is that the result of that is that you go onto the, the lat pull down. You're cold. And you're cold, which means that your performance is going to be decreased. Bingo. The performance is compromised straight away because the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, the joints haven't got the blood flow and haven't been conditioned to the load you're about to put them under, let alone an increased load. So now that's where you, have, you do have a big increase in risk of injury. Injury. When someone comes in cold, and well, let's just go straight to uh, full weight squats or full weight deadlift or full weight leg press. Like you're asking for it, and even and I know with me because I'm not. Let's just say I'm not 21 anymore. 41. <sighs> Righto. It's a bit funny, isn't it? Don't have my little laughing. I believe that's what you were looking for. Thank you. Anyway, now I'm not uh, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I still feel fantastic, but I if I didn't warm up with the warm-up protocol that Courtney and I and our clients follow, I would hurt myself. Yes. With how strong I am now, 
walk in and just go straight to the full weight on anything, I'm going to do damage. Yeah. So to me, in general, as trainers and coaches, we all generally have to do better at how we warm our clients up because it does lead to, if it's done correctly, it does lead to consistently improved performance and strength levels, which is kind of what we want from our weight training sessions. However, as Courtney said, this actually isn't possible without structure because if you don't record what you're doing and don't have a structure, you don't know what you're warming up to. So this kind of potentially goes under the category of winging it too, doesn't it? It does because yeah. without structure and without proper education for your for your clients, that I think a lot of clients feel that that's just what they're supposed to do because it mm. comes down to a lack of education and a lack of structure and, and, and a lack of understanding as to why it's important. And I think that often then what will happen is they go to that first exercise where they are cold, as you say, Matt, and I think then to avoid injury, what happens ultimately is the weight is just not heavy and they never progress. So it's, it's it's like a waste of an exercise. You're wasting that first exercise, which really should be a pinnacle exercise in your routine. We also know, though, if it's not just wasting the first exercise, it's going to have a flow-on effect to wasting the whole workout, yeah. the whole session. Yeah. I mean, to me, a training session should be about taking another step towards the desired outcome. Yeah. You're not training for the sake of training. You're training to improve something. Yeah. And that's, to me, it's it's... There's a reason this is the 11th point in our 10 signs your PT is stealing your money because it's not as much of a deal breaker as some of the other ones, but it is also indicative of a number of issues that are at play here. And the 12th sign is we ain't got one, we're done. No. <laughs> so I think in order to wrap it up, I spoke about before we started the, the list yeah. that it's really important to know – I know we've made you know a big headline, which is that the PTs are stealing your money. And I think that a lot of PTs, as we mentioned, they're not doing these things because they don't care. They, they're personal trainers because they do care about people yep. and they want people to succeed. We, we do this because we want to help people because it makes us feel good. I think that, that is, you need to keep that in mind. So we're not saying that PTs are all shit people because they're not. They have good intentions, but they really, really, some of them need to, to really pick up on these areas. And if they don't, then you are wasting your money by employing them for their service. Well said. I think the other thing that I just want to touch on basically is I've touched on a couple of the points. We as clients, and I put myself in this bracket because I, I'm a client of Matt, that we as clients need to change our expectation on some of these points. So we need to change our expectation that we're going to go and see a personal trainer for 12 weeks of training. We need to change our expectation that we're going to see a personal trainer for them to assist us with the movement. If your personal trainer is sitting there or standing there watching what you are doing, not saying anything, but... could monitoring your movement they are doing their job and doing it damn well so there's an expectation that also i think of industry-wide that needs to start the change that's big bro indeed that's a big way to end it let's wrap it up yeah indeed it's been a, a long one but i think an educational one i think you killed it in fact you've done so well the crowd is going banana <laughs> 
idea. So that's a wrap. That's a wrap. I reckon we'll uh, cue the music. Yes. So hopefully you have got a lot out of this. If not, blame Courtney. Keep an eye out Are for our next episode. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 